And we are live. How are you doing, Happy? <laughs> good, man. How are you? Doing good, good. So I do not have an intro set up for this, so we're just going to wing it. <laughs> <laughs> Worst intro ever already. Yeah, I, I already messed this up. <laughs> so, so the intro is that uh, we don't actually have an intro. We don't have so. an intro. Not yet. We have no idea what we're doing, but we kind of do. <laughs> Cringe. Cringe. Yeah. Cringe. Anyway, yeah. Okay, well, what are we talking about today? Today, I have some stuff I want to talk to you about, Mr. Happy. It is Vesper and his Medium article. Uh, It talks about this concept called Sistocracy. And he is creating a project called Mystical. And this is one of those projects that it, on the surface, it seems very stupid, just like everything in the crypto and NFT space. But when you dig into the weeds, this stuff gets pretty deep. And I'm finding that a lot of his, uh, a lot of things that he wrote about in this article apply a lot to a bunch of real life organizations and real life projects. Um, And I'm going to be implementing a lot of these ideas in my own projects too. Okay, awesome. And uh, well, I guess let's start with uh, explaining who, who, who Vesper is. Yeah, so Vesper, uh, so I've been in the crypto space since what, November 2021 and a little bit before that too, but uh, I started taking it a little more serious around then. And that was a time when I came across this project called Geobots, which was probably one of the most professional looking projects looking like at the time, the quality of the artwork. Uh, it was very much centered around decentralized finance and they're building all these things from scratch. And Vesper was the team lead for all of that. It was basically his idea, and he created a team all around it. Um, so I basically been watching him work and do all this stuff for about a year and a half, two years. And uh, ultimately, when crypto winter hit and the price of Solana went down from two fifty to twenty dollars, um, his project kind of died along with that. Um, the reason why I I've stuck around with him is uh, just he was very professional about it, and he is doing a lot to make sure a lot of those holders, people who stuck by the project to the very end, um, he's still taking care of them. And so now he's pivoting to this other project called Mystical, and he brought along all a lot of the Geobots along with him uh, as kind of like the first group, the OGs. And he's basically kind of taking care of his own. And so it's something that I respect a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not something easy to do in this space is take care of a community when everything's going to shit. Right. Like it kind of stands out, you know, like a lot of project leads in this space. They kind of, when things go bad, they rug, they leave, they never come back. And yeah, they that's just okay. Dip. They just dip. But uh, they blame their holders and then leave usually. Yeah. And then for his case, <laughs> he was like, maybe I think, I don't know who he blames. I, maybe he blames himself first and foremost. That's the kind of vibe I get from him. I blame Obama. <laughs> or, or, or that, I guess. But he's from the UK, though, so you know, he's he's maybe he blamed the Queen. The Queen, God rest her soul. King Charles, King Charles, he blames King Charles. I don't know yeah, who he blames. Harry, for the, Prince, Prince Harry. Harry, exactly. They Fuck stole the his thunder. It should have been all to Vesper. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no. So uh, he ended up uh, basically recreating a new project, but this time it's backed by a lot of philosophy. Um, this is a dude, he's basically a tech dev god, as far as I'm concerned. He can whip out crypto coins and NFT projects like no other. Like, 
he's got the skill to whip it out in less than a week if he wanted to. Um, allegedly, but I've I've seen his quality of work and I, I think it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's all backed by this essentially thesis slash dissertation slash white paper medium article uh, and all based off this idea called systocracy. Okay. And what is systocracy? So the article, the main article is linked in our uh, little channel here on the, the compound, the happy case of podcast channel. So the link is directly in there. I also posted links on the newsletter. Um, but basically uh, the idea is that it's kind of reimagining how we organize organizations. Uh, it really focuses on the idea of centralization and how a lot of the way we run organizations and groups, and you can take this all the way up to governments, is kind of centralization versus decentralization. But this is a more active approach. You know, I think at this point, decentralization has become kind of a buzzword. And mm-hmm. this basically makes it so that it's a systems-oriented approach to organizations. So, you know how we have uh, things called DAOs. I think what does the DAO stand for again? Decentralized Authority Organization. Is mm-hmm. that what DAO yep. stands for? It basically makes it so it's an autonomous, decentralized, authoritarian or well, authoritarian organization. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, you're. It's decentralized, autonomous organization. Okay. You said you said authority authorized? or autonomous. I thought that was a decentralized authority organization. Okay, no, yeah, it's it's the autonomous organization. Autonomous organization. Decentralized okay. autonomous organization. Okay, well, I guess in that case, it, it takes that concept and he basically puts it to words, organizes it, formalizes it. And the basic idea is you start using all these AI systems to create this iterative approach. So like an organization, as far as I understand it, and I could have some of these things wrong, but how I interpret it, is you have an organization that has inputs and outputs, it has some goals. And then what the system do is you use these AI, you use these autonomous approaches, and then it reevaluates the results of your outputs of what the organization's main goal and intent is. And it takes that feedback, that, that after action report, if you will, and then it reorganizes the rules and adjusts the organization itself to create better outputs. If that makes any sense at all, autonomously, <laughs> autonomously. through AI, and it does this. Yeah. So um, in the channel, I posted a little uh, diagram of kind of how it works. Um, it's going to be impossible for me to explain it over voice, so you can kind of take a look at it, or any listeners, you can kind of check out the chart itself. But basically, you use AI systems like ChatGPT, um, AI enhanced tools, so like artwork systems. Um, you use AI art instead of regular artwork, or you have an artist who has access to AI tools. So you don't need 20 artists. You only need one with AI tools. And then use it to identify uh, opportunities uh, and then just create all these outputs. That sounds and super then, interesting. And then you reevaluate, you assess the performance of this model, of this system. So say you have a, an art department. So you use AI to kind of do it. And then maybe you create the system like a Discord server where you say, hey, artist, we need this, that, and the other. And then they use all the tools that they have on hand to output what was requested within the allotted time. So it's, then, it's taking 
what essentially a massive company would be able to do and doing it with with a few select skilled people using AI. Mm, exactly. Yes. And then what you do afterwards is you assess the performance of the process. So you say, all right, we wanted our art department to make 10 images for marketing and they did it in two days. Is this good enough for us? It costs us X amount of money, every iteration. So kind of like how AI art, it kind of, you, you type in what you want, like in a prompt, and then it spits out like four images or whatever, yeah. and choose the best one. And then you say, you know what, this, I liked this. It could be a little better. And you just run it through the AI program again, say, all right, we like this. Let's make it, you know, pick, make the adjustments on the prompt. Like, oh, we want this, but we want to have it brighter, or we want to have it look a little more realistic, or we want it done faster. More purple. Or purple. And you do another <laughs> iteration. <laughs> and then it spits out another output, and you're like, all right, this is good. Let's keep this. And we codify that systemic process until it's exactly what we want. And what what is codify? So as as far as I, I, I don't think it's part of Vesper's article. It's just kind of more of a tangent <laughs> that I kind of went on on my own when I saw his model. And this is how okay. I interpreted it was like, if something works in the military, it's called the standard operating procedures, SOPs. And basically if a unit does well and they have this way of doing things, they write it down and formalize it so that once their unit leaves or a key leader leaves or anyone leaves, they leave behind this book of standard operating procedures so that any idiot can come in and keep doing what that prior organization, that prior unit, that prior person, that prior high-speed person was doing before. So, so a, a new manager doesn't necessarily change the operations of things every time exactly. they switch. Exactly. Smart. Yep. And then the kind of idea, one of the flaws, and this is where we start delving into uh, his article a little bit, is, well, when you have a system like that that's centralized and you can't make changes or you can't evaluate quick enough, then inherent flaws kind of emerge. So let's see here. Uh, let's see if there was a quote. Um, one of the primary issues with incumbent systems of governments lies in the reliance on centralized decision-making, which has been largely the de facto foundation for governments since the beginnings of organized society. And so I read yeah, that. that yeah. Often we find that when somebody's in power for too long, like the government is, as they start actually doing things that are not always for the best interests of modern day society. And they, they sometimes lack the foresight to keep up with the times. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or like, you know, how I, I see it too is like, you know, the conditions on the field are the most up to date, but then the people on the fields cannot make decisions or not authorized to make decisions. They have to send it up the chain and then the idiots at top talk about it, you know, whatever, eating their caviar or mm -hmm. taking leave, taking vacations, not answering the emails. And then a few days later, they come back with a response of what those people on the field should do and just creates these inherent inf inefficiencies in the system. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And then so, so that's this kind of what... in place to combat that, right? Yeah. So if, you, if you're kind of running your organization or whatever system of inputs and outputs that require people to be involved or AI, like 
this creates a iterative process so that say, for example, you know, how, how I'm looking at it is like my, my firefighters in the field, right? They go to a fire, they have a system in place. Some things work, some things don't work. Afterwards, you have an after action report and you figure out what worked, what didn't work, and you just reiterate. And so when it comes to Web3, now with all these AI tools we can do, um, it's more of like a thing where if you had an artist for your project, I love using the artwork because it's the most relevant and easy to see at this point. Mm -hmm. But you have a business that has a marketing team and they need artwork and slogans. And so you have that artist approach where you have an artist come in, they do all this great work for you, and it's just boom, 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 easy. Well, now this artist has to leave or something happens to them. And now your organization is basically floundering because they have no art or art person anymore. And if your business kind of was founded on this, like, oh, these guys have great artwork. This marketing team does great artwork. Well, now the artist is gone, took everything with them. And so now that marketing team basically dies. Mm-hmm. Well, this approach makes it so if we codify what the artist did, how they did it, what tools did they use? What was their mindset? You can kind of train someone to take their place and it could be anybody if it's something as decentralized and autonomous like if you like for example in my thing i'll have people say hey try using starry eye i'll I, this is what i made this is how i do it these are the words i use these are the settings i use this is the website i use this is why i do it this is how i do it then anyone can basically take over my job is there any so this seems like it could really save or anybody essentially could start their own marketing company or art, mm-hmm. co- like art development um, mm-hmm. or even software development if they if they go through the AI route. Is there anything in place that could actually protect some of these artists if they if they um, created this art for this company? Are they going to be getting a percentage the funding possibly from these companies that are using the AI derivative from their art, or does he have any plans for something like that? Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a bigger conversation topic discussion. I know that on Vesper side with his mystical project, um, I know that this is basically the underlying philosophy and it's kind of like his project is a proof of concept. Cause I don't think he even knows what it's going to look like. Like even the way he's running the project is like, all right, this is what we need to do. How do you guys want to do it (laughs) kind of approach? So I think even Vesper himself doesn't know the answer to that question. And that's kind of the beauty of it is since there is no central authority, well, whoever artist wants to come in and start doing artwork for Vesper and Mystical, they can kind of set the terms of what their compensation is going to look like. Make their own contracts. Exactly. Like there's no artist guilds, there's no, you know, I don't know. They just kind of negotiate their own contracts as they go. And with the okay. beauty of the autonomous technology, like you can have it so that they get a percentage of royalties from all the artwork, a percentage of, you know, any tokens that they make, uh, anything pretty much. Yeah, they can. That makes sense. They said we're able to organize our own contracts with each interaction that they had to protect mm-hmm. themselves. I think it would be interesting to kind of have like maybe some um, parameters set around that with, because he's developing all the, the capability to do something like this, right? Yeah. So he's basically doing a lot of the legwork as far as the actual coding and development. 
Like I'm 99% sure he was the one who created the website, um, the server, uh, all the blockchain side tech, everything. I think a good chunk of it is just Vesper himself, to be honest. (laughs) I could be wrong though, but uh, I'm not 100% on that. Well, it's good to see a project lead that's so involved with the project itself mm-hmm. and, and building because you don't see that a lot. Most of these uh, projects out here today are just somebody with a big voice, but uh, he's he's right in the trenches with it as well. Yeah, exactly. It's like one person with a Twitter account with 10,000 followers could basically make or break any project. But the problem with that is, you know, the... I, I'm, I'm considering them like scam fluencers or spam fluencers. Where they just keep spamming projects and then they make a lot of money from it, even if it's good yep. or bad. Like the, the, the quality of a, of a space is determined by the quality of the builders and the leaders. And that's why I left NFT space was it was just shill after shill, scam after scam. But what's yeah, bringing me back is responsible for what they're shilling. Yeah, no one's taking responsibility. No one's going for quality. Everyone's going for profit only. And it's kind of a race to the bottom at that point. Whoever can scam the most other people, the most, the fastest wins. Yeah, it's money leaving the space. It's it's people milking money out of of the space itself. So it's just Mm -hmm. not going to grow. It's depleting money in the space that could be used to grow. Yeah, exactly. Like you could have been using all these profits to build something that lasts, but then people instead are using it to build PFP projects that just go to zero after six mm-hmm. months. You know, it's like yeah. everyone's focused on minting out and then it goes to zero. And then the leaders are like, well, we got our bag. Time to go to the Bahamas, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. We made a bunch of money. Now let's mm-hmm. just dip. Like, uh, yeah, there's been so many projects mm-hmm. that just came out that people just bought purely off of, emotion and it really set the standard for the space to fail i think yep and so it kind of goes to no surprise if you know things ultimately go to zero just because there's no actual quality there's no actual revenue generation and obviously that's not every project there's obviously many important exceptions but you know it's i I see that as more often than not that's kind of the uh running like mentality of a lot of nft projects Mm mm-hmm Oh, it was a standard. If your project had, I think one of the reasons we were talking about like Vesper and, and Geobots kind of going down with Soul is because people would see a project with genuine worked out utility and and say, okay, well, this requires people to think, so it's not going to do well. Yeah, yeah. And that's the unfortunate thing of it is, you know, that's that's why... I like these projects that have a lot of utility is just like, wow, I can see this being really useful to a lot of people. It just, the problem is it takes time to build these systems and people are very impatient. People <laughs> want their bags now. People want their bags now. They, they don't understand investing. They only care about what, what's that, what's that other term? It's not investing, but when you're just flipping things. Gambling. Gambling. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Speculation. That's pretty much what that is. Yeah. Yeah, like everything is, yeah, everyone calls themselves crypto investors, but really they're just, you know, crypto gamblers. Yeah. Anything. Investing is, yeah, investing is like planting a seed. It's like, I see this project idea. I see what you're building. I see it growing. And here's our money. And then you can have it to build your thing. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's always been my mentality as far as investing goes. And then, yeah, sure, sometimes fun, some flipping a few NFTs here and there, some speculation. It's fun. It's exciting. But it's not the foundation. <laughs> no, it's just, it's like you said, it's a, it's a steady decline to zero. Mm-hmm. All that is, is a path to zero, essentially. So yeah. You're not building things that are turning the space into a better platform for everybody to use. And that money is just going to some kid spending it on beers on a Friday night. Yeah, you know? or giving a few billion dollars to his girlfriend to run or, a... Or having an orgy <laughs> with a bunch of paid actors, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you get arrested, and then you decide to close FTX. Or... <laughs> and your Bahamas is, is set short. Yeah, cut your, yeah, it's cut a little bit short. Turns out, turns out you're just an ultimate scammer. But, yeah. You know. We're not bitter about FTX going down, are we? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, I'm glad they went down. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little <laughs> glad. You know, I'm I'm glad I didn't keep too much crypto on FTX. I had none. I had one interaction <laughs> with FTX, and as a as a project person, yeah. Ooh, talk, founder, talk to me about that. I, I don't. I don't think I know too many details. If you want to talk about that for a little, I never bit. even put. Yeah, I haven't put any, too many details into the world. But essentially, I can tell you is is FTX was trying to get into the crypto world like uh, Magic Eden was at the time, and they were mm-hmm. trying to be like the marketplace to sell NFTs and crypto and everything. And uh, I worked with their reps, and uh, they said they were interested in in branding our platform and mm-hmm. and promoting us and working with us to list on their platform exclusively they wanted an exclusive listing with them uh-huh. and i think i had they expected to get everything and give essentially nothing mm-hmm. um and the the level of like the lack of professionalism just working with their team just all screamed red flags to me. So I ultimately decided against working with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably the best case scenario. Cause yeah, they're probably a good call. It seems like, <laughs> yeah. Cause the, the, the lack of professional professionalism is what I think was their downfall ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point you could tell that it was kind of just being run by a bunch of kids. And- yeah, it was especially hearing that court case and to have their, their CEO talk about how they managed it. I was like, oof. Yeah. yeah. Basically I just gave a bunch of people too much money and uh, told them to invest <laughs> people's yeah. money that wasn't even ours to invest. Yeah. And uh, they're like, Hey, let's get Tom Brady in here and have him give us all his money. And then let's just use it on drugs. Yeah. And we're, set. <laughs> yeah. we're set and for days. For a little while, but I think bringing it back to Vesper's systocratic model, I could see how something like this, if it was implanted for FTX, could have prevented a lot of that, right? If they just had this, uh, like, 0.6, I think is the meat and potatoes, is the assessed performance of the last tokenization. And tokenization, in my mind, I just considered iteration of whatever it is your organization is supposed to do. So if they just assessed, like, every month, Hey, are our systems right? Do we have the proper left and right limits? Are we accounting properly? You know, then over time, then it would have solidified the safety and the quality of the FTX platform. But instead, they didn't. It 
at least for me, I'm assuming here, I wasn't there, but I'm assuming they weren't really constantly reevaluating the performance and the procedures. They weren't looking at their systems and policies. They were caring about bottom line numbers and how many drugs are in SBF's girlfriend's system that month, you know? Like, yeah, how many how many uh overdoses she said. <laughs> she said. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it quote unquote overdoses uh, she said. Overdose. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't this many days since last overdose. Yeah, I I don't usually like to crap on people too much, but with how much monetary value that they lost, like those billions of dollars of value. Oh, yeah. They they ruined a lot of people's lives, I think. I think ruined people's lives. Shit thinking, on them a little bit. Like going to the Palmas, you know, how many kids in the Caribbean, you know, Haiti, how many earthquakes and freaking oh like that money could have been used for so much good. And instead yep. they built something that crumbled and went to zero. It's like very irresponsible. They built something actually truly remarkable yeah. that just they didn't they got it's just the definition of of somebody that was in the right place at the right right time mm -hmm. yeah and did nothing to deserve it you know yeah he so wasn't ready for it and they mismanaged it to death and yeah and it showed right like it if you showed. don't earn what you've created mm -hmm. then yeah and that's why i think vesper's systematic model is good because it could be kind of like a, a backbone Kind of like a, it's like, all right, well, the FTX 2.0, show us your systems. What's automated? What's not automated? You know, how do you create value? What's your inputs and outputs? What's your foundation? And do you guys have an iterative reassessment protocol, quote unquote, in place? Do you have decentralized decision makers or is everything done at the top? Is it opaque or is it transparent? And I think as Vesper goes and he continues to expand on these articles, because this is just the first one, it's going to be a lot more as he solidifies his thoughts and what works and what doesn't. I think it, in a way, it creates kind of organizational security. You know, you can see which organizations are going to be able to make it the distance and which ones are just SBF, FTX, flare-ups that are going to go to zero. Yeah, if this very well becomes a standard for projects moving forward, it, it would put a lot of fail-safes mm -hmm. exactly. um, for that's them to be able to actually sustain themselves when, when some of those mistakes do actually happen as well, I, th I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so one of those quotes that I absolutely loved that I, I do want to talk about, and then you can give me a thought, too. I feel like I've been talking for most of it. <laughs> but this one quote that I, I think is my favorite part of the article this is a... Ultimately, as the limitations of incumbent governance systems become increasingly apparent and new and effective building blocks for governance are now entering the picture, there's a material need for the investigation of alternative models that can address existing challenges. The systocracy model with a focus on decentralization, intelligent systems, and automated continuous learning offers a promising approach to overcome these limitations. And I think the most important part of that, we, we've spoken to a lot of actually that quote today in this conversation, but I think one thing that really stands out is is intelligent systems and automated continuous learning, which I think mm -hmm. is is ultimately when we're talking about companies like FTX and and the likes is is they weren't continuously learning and they weren't continuously building. And I think that ultimately was one of the biggest downfalls of the decentralized space 
is mm-hmm. is there seems to be a struggle between remaining decentralized but continuously growing mm-hmm. yeah that's true because like i guess it kind of turns into a philosophical kind of question isn't it like decentralization versus centralization like what what's good what's bad in each each one has its mm-hmm. own pros and cons well we we got to think about the fact that if a company is continuously growing and becoming a standard then the decentralization is is depleting right like if if more people are going to one spot for the same thing that's not so much decentralized anymore as is becoming more centralized and i think mm-hmm. That has a unique uh, put on it because it allows the two to kind of uh, remain intact harmoniously, mm-hmm. despite yeah. despite their the oxy- oxymoron that it is. Yeah, like one of the things I think about often when it comes to the decentralization for centralization debate is I think of like computer operating systems, right? Like Windows versus Mac versus Linux. Like if you look at Linux and you see all the different versions of operating systems you can use, it's kind of insane, mm-hmm. but like, it's still Linux. Like everyone knows what you mean when you talk about Linux. I have no idea how to use any of it. I just know it exists, but I've seen the tree of Linux systems and it's just absolutely insane. So it's kind of like, how do you find that proper balance of centralization? So everyone knows what you're talking about and then everyone can still communicate. And then how do you have it decentralized so that you can create all these different experiments and different iterations and share the best practices to the rest of the decentralized organization? Well, I think if, if uh, Vesper keeps building, we might find yeah. out what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing, seeing how he builds and continues. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know that he doesn't like to, uh, Docs himself, he, he only goes onto uh, voice channels when he absolutely needs to, like when he talks to, you know, tax people, lawyers and big dogs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, it'd be cool if he wants to talk to us at some point in the future. I'd be down to talk about this stuff again if you'd be down. <laughs> well, yeah, and in some way we should uh, see about if he'd like to discuss yeah, some things he's working on, what he's building. I think that would be, I think people would love to hear that. Yeah, and then we can probably give like little updates at some point, maybe, depending on how the uh, future episodes of this podcast goes. <laughs> yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, so what we could do, I think, is uh, I could probably, we'll, we'll, we'll get this all ready. We'll send it to him, and then he can send us notes. And then in the future, we could go back and do like a, I don't know, a Systocracy Vesper revisit <laughs> or something down the road yeah yeah that would be good cool yeah cool well well i think that was a good that was a really good uh we're at 30 minutes now man i feel like we just started (laughs) yeah i think that's a good place to end it yeah i think so yeah i think that that's definitely enough for people to digest and then you know get the wheels turning and then yeah i think this is enough for vesper to uh maybe want to give us some feedback on yeah yeah um well thank you so much for watching yes everyone thanks listening. to um 
Augustus. I was going to call it Quesarito. You but, call it Quesarito. That's fine. Um, for putting this together. And mm-hmm. if anybody has feedback, how much you hated mm-hmm. or loved this, mm-hmm. then uh, let us know at uh, the uh, com. <laughs> That's not actually a website. Don't, don't, don't try to type that in. Or no, maybe try <laughs> typing it and tell me, tell me what pops up. <laughs> uh. But yeah, so yeah, uh, thanks for everyone for listening. And uh, if you'd like to give us any feedback, uh, the Compound Discord, if you're already in it, uh, we've got a channel called the Happy Queso Podcast. So any ideas for future episodes, guests you want to see, things for us to talk about. Happy here. Oh, we never introduced ourselves, Happy. (laughs) We didn't give anyone our backgrounds. Next time. Next time. Next time. Yeah, we're figuring it out as we go. Um, <laughs> this is definitely the janky first draft, but yeah. we definitely care about quality. And so we started with quality. Our skills are not quality yet, but we'll get there. Yeah, I don't know how you can say that after we didn't introduce who we are. Yeah, we care about true. quality, but we didn't do the main thing that yeah. people would care about in the... Well, no, no, we, we went straight to the things that people cared about. We just didn't no, do No, they care about who we are. Do they, though? Do they care yeah. about us happy? Well, I am. <laughs> the only people listening right now are like people who already time. know us, so we don't have to waste our time. <laughs> well, technically, nobody's listening right now because we haven't True. posted it. So Technically, yeah. Yeah, and you're right. This isn't a live stream. This is just a pure recording. Yeah. Do, you want, do you want to do it like a live stream next time around? No. No? Okay. <laughs> much pressure. You're right. That is too much pressure. Yeah, we shouldn't do that. Just in case we need to edit stuff out. <laughs> we're definitely, yeah. Yeah. We're gonna edit this whole conversation we're having out right now. Do we? Or are we just we just send it as is as part of because <laughs> everyone fucking, knows that the main podcast is done. It. Then just send I, it. Just full send. That's what you want to do. <laughs> just full send. Just everyone do knows it. the main st- we're we're all we're we're in the two minutes of outro that's turning into five minutes of outro. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank all you everybody. Right. Yes, thank you, everyone. Oh, thank you again to our, for now. To, our, to our sponsor, Game Hub. We need to add that in there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to our sponsor, Game Hub. You guys have been great. <laughs> thank uh, you for your time and your branding <laughs> and your audience. Yeah. Okay. Ciao yeah. for now. All right. Ciao for now. Thank you, everyone.